Sonic States. Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 99. I can't believe it. 99 feels portentous. We're just one off. Uh, and this week... It's I'm, a good number as well. It is a good number. It's probably one of your favourite. As you know, Mark, um, being a fan of numbers, likes nines. And 99 is about as yep. nine, nine-ish as you can get until we get to, of course, podcast number 999, which will be... Probably after I'm, be very old. after I'm dead, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. But yes, welcome everybody. Sonic Talk number 99. Remember, um, you can watch us uh, or listen to us. I'm going to try feed it, sending a video feed, uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live. So you'll at least be able to see me and, uh, um, you know participate in a textual sense uh, at sonicstate.com forward slash live. But let me welcome my guests anyway. You heard the voice of Mr. Mark Tinley. So let's start with you. How are you doing, Mark? Hello, I'm very well. I'm glad to hear it. I'm also very excited because I've bought an iPhone <gasps> and it's all good fun. You've gone over to the dark side or the dark... I, that's not really how it works, but, you know, our independent maverick... the dark side in terms of the camera, but everything else is brilliant. Yeah, they are pretty hot, aren't they? Well, I wouldn't know. I haven't got one. I've just got... Um, um, Mark Tinley, of course, myspace.com forward slash Mark Tinley. Are you one of those annoying people who's just sitting there playing with it in every single instance? Because that's the one that you can always tell who's got an iPhone because it's, it's, it's just continue. You just can't leave it alone, can you? No, it is brilliant. Well, what's your favourite app so far? Uh, my favourite app... So, well, I had to buy iDrum because, uh, well, you have to, really. And uh, I also got something called Rain Stick. But I think my favourite app at the moment is the I Ching, actually, which which it does a really good um, randomization of all the Yarrow sticks and the, and creates like the the little what are they called Yin Yang symbol things? I can't remember what they're called. Okay. And then it gives you an interpretation and a reading. Quite good. Hmm. Okay. Well, wow, that sounds kind of weird getting a spiritual some sort of spiritual guidance from a. Um essentially a, a chunk of code and um, RAM. But I suppose if it works, it works. Let's get to Rich Hilton. Rich Hilton. Um... I too went shopping on Saturday and came home with the new iPod Touch. Oh, wow. We're all eyed up. So It's, um, the, it's the iPhone for people who don't want to work with AT&T in America. Okay. <laughs> or need a phone. How'd you get on with it? What do right. you think? Is it, is it just me? It is I, lovely, isn't it? I'm loving this thing. It's so much fun. It's the coolest toy I've bought in a long time. And, and coincidentally, I also got a new phone last week, so I'm like surrounded by new gadgets. It's cool. So have you been, download- have you been downloading apps? Any favorite apps for you? Oh, yeah, I've been downloading apps. Uh, well, I, like Mark, I was uh, hip to rain stick, and that's kind of fun for a few minutes. And I got myself a few of my favorite games, and I got all the communications things, you know, for uh, AIM and MySpace and Facebook and all that. And then I got myself some utilities, things to sniff out Wi-Fi connections and what kind of uh, security they've got and things like that. A couple of uh, better weather programs. I uh, keep a gas log in my PDA, so I got one of those programs. A conversions thing that includes currencies so that when I'm going overseas, like I am tomorrow, I'll have something to rely on. Uh, uh, Okay. They're like PDAs, really, aren't they? They are just like PDAs. I mean, I had a Dell, you know, and and a Palm and all of that sort of thing in the past. And this is... It's like it, it. I was thinking, it's not an MP3 player. This is a a, a, a PDA. That's what it is, isn't it? Basically, yeah. yeah. With a cooler operating system. Yeah, they've really done Did a fantastic the- job on this. Sorry, Mark. Where are you going to, Rich? Uh, I'm going to play in Rotterdam on Saturday. Ah, so in, you need in to, Holland. You need to go and look at the, uh, the translation software. They've got these fantastic 
language translation things. I've been playing around with the German one, and it just has phrases in it, and it speaks them for you, so you don't have to be able to speak German to people. I expect oh, cool. to start. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look for that right after the show. Oh, hold on a second. I guess that might be Dave Robinson. He said he was coming. Dave Robinson arrived. Only fashion- only slightly fashionably. Hello, can you hear me? Welcome to the gang. Dave Robinson, Hi. of course, editor of ProSoundNewsEurope.com. But first, I was just about to introduce Mr. Dave Spears. Dave Spears, of course, is, is our next guest at G4Software.com. How are you, Dave? I'm all right. Good. Dave Robinson, of course, um, everybody seems to have been, has got, either got an iPod or an, or an iPhone in the last few, um, few weeks or months. How about you? I know you've been on holiday. Did you, um, did you feel the need? Um, well, I've got a rather nasty infection in my leg. <laughs> is that from having so too large a phone that had rough edges and maybe, you know, you mean jogging? Yeah, well, no, <laughs> thing is, I mean, I was, um, for your listeners who don't know, who, who care, perhaps, um, I, I was off for three months travelling around the world, and uh, what I actually did was uh, dump as much technology as possible um, because um, I didn't want to be responsible for it if you know in case anything should happen or I should, in case I should be mugged or something like that yeah um, so I went back to an old Nokia phone of mine from about two years ago because Nokia power supplies are more universal than, than the, the LG one I had so I've been pretty primitive but, but what I did do was I, I bought myself an E I bought myself an oh, one of those e PCs. Yeah, which uh, I bought that in Singapore, and that was uh, that's been that, that was very lovely actually while I was traveling because it was useful for backing up photos from my camera and for um, downloading the occasional music file for when I was in a hotel room or uh, a, a backpackers hostel and there was nobody about, um, and also for just um, uh, writing, uh, you know, getting on Facebook and keeping in touch with people. But it was small enough to be able to carry around and not be as cumbersome as a big laptop. So it proved to be uh, an ideal tool for what I wanted it to be, really. Excellent. So we're all technologically loved up. So Dave um, Robinson, of course, is editor, well, back in the driving seat of ProSound News Europe. Um, You can see uh, ProSoundNewsEurope.com, which uh, you've got a rather smashing digital online version. So you can see what he's up to. It's actually really good, the digital online. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah, it's working out well for us. Brilliant. I'm glad to hear it. I've just sat, had PJ turn up as well, so it looks like um, we got a bit of a full a full house. So let me just go and get PJ too. Hey, PJ. PJ Tracy Creep. from Minneapolis. <laughs> hey, PJ. How you doing? Very well. And you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Um, we've got a big gang here. Um, obviously, the penultimate Sonic Talk 99. We'll have to get used to it, because I think we're going to have a big gang next week too. Uh, PJ Tracy, of course, has a URL too, which I would like to plug at this point. How's the URL going? The pjtracymusic.com URL. Ah, it's going very well. It's still a work in progress, but uh, we'll get there. Excellent. Well, I'm glad. I think we've got pretty much all we can cope with now, so should we move on? Throughout history man has marveled at the vast complexity of the universe. Without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one man has the power to change that and to spread his voice across the earth for all of mankind to hear. One man. Me. Well, I was born in a simple log cabin. No, it's not true. Uh, When I was 13 years old, my voice changed in the middle of a sentence. Mom, I'll help you with the dishes. Literally, and it never went back. And I was just cut up in class. And when I went to school the next day, I didn't want to talk. 
and the teacher got bugged about it. She said, why aren't you saying something? And I said, what do you want me to say? And I was sent to the office because she thought I was screwing with her. Uh, and for a while there was, it really upset me, but then I discovered that I could be everybody's dad. Jimmy can't come to school today because he's not feeling very well. Well, there we go. That was the voice of Don LaFontaine, who is Mr. Movie Trailer, who um, everybody says, in a world. But I haven't actually heard one uh, of him saying, in a world. Um, but I can't believe it. Um, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, be sadly missed, because he sounded like a really nice guy. If you watch the rest of that interview, he's kind of got humour and humility. And, you know, considering he works in Hollywood on blockbusters, that's a, probably quite a rare thing. Anyone um, got any Dan LaFontaine stories? Or perhaps I should set something up that's likely to elicit a response. (laughs) Well, um, over the course of the last year or two here in America, there's been a very successful ad campaign by the insurance company Geico, where they would get celebrity people in to relate the stories of the common person sitting next to them across a 30-second spot. And one of the people they got in to do this was Don LaFontaine, who was standing in some lady's kitchen, with a mic stand and a headset on and a microphone and she's telling a story and he's going in a world where both of our cars were underwater. And, uh, <laughs> and it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. It gave this whole sense of ultimate gravity to the situation. It was really, it was a blast. And then he enjoyed a moment of kind of glory after that, where people were searching him out and he, and everybody became aware that that's who he was. And, I saw some biographical uh, videos about him. Apparently, uh, by the time he was like really good at this, he's basically working out of a voiceover booth in his home. Yeah, ISDN uh, changed his life. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, it became he became sort of a household name around here since that commercial because my kids and I dug it so much, and I did a little research on who he was, and so now uh, it was a very sad thing for us uh, to hear that he had passed because he was legendary and uh, great at it. And apparently they'd sort of let him, you know, I don't know if he'd compose the whole copy. Maybe he would, but I mean, he had a lot of latitude in how the, he was going to approach these things. It wasn't just reading scripts. No, I guess the language that he used obviously fitted the, his voice, and he knows expertly what they sort of sound like. I mean, he was doing, according to the article I read over at uh, LA Times, he's doing sort of eight to ten voiceovers a day, which sounds kind of like quite a lot when you got to consider, you know, you've got to deal with the director going, no, can you just change that? He must have been really good at it. Obviously, he was. Can you imagine the residual checks? <laughs> That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Doing eight or ten of those a day? Running his trailers every single day in the movie theaters? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't actually imagine that. That would just be astonishing, wouldn't it, really? We'd all, we'd all have iPod touches. We would. <laughs> I'd be buying iPod touches for the whole bar. <laughs> I, you know what, I haven't, I've never worked with voiceover artists. Anyone ever done any of that? PJ, you've done kind of quite a lot of commercial stuff. Have you had to deal with voiceover stuff? Uh, personally, I've only recorded a couple of voiceover artists. Um, never really got into doing a lot of that type of thing. Mostly my involvement in commercial work has been, uh, you know, from the composing standpoint. I've recorded quite a few. Really? And they're brilliant. Really good ones are brilliant. They've just got this richness of tone that, you kind of put the headphones on and get everything set up. And when they start talking, you just kind of melt. I think there's just some people have got it and others haven't. But uh, no, I did a uh, voiceover with the guy. Do you remember the guy who did the Barrett adverts? Who's on Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Patrick. Two Trump stuff he did. Patrick Allen. Yeah. He had a big, he had a great, uh, a fine chin, I seem to remember. Yes. Yes. Hmm. He does a lot of XFM trailers. Uh, but a lot of, lots of taking the, taking the mickey out of himself while he's doing it and taking the mickey out of the whole... 
um, voice over thing. Well, it's kind of like the, you know, the whole sort of Tom Baker. They, they, a lot of them, these guys are doing did do a lot of comedy stuff as well, didn't they? There's Tom Baker who's did a lot of voiceovers, and he was doing the Little Britain as a sort of comedy voiceover. But I've never actually done. I mean, you know, sometimes you hear somebody's voice and you think, "Wow, that would be a really good voice." I know um, Richard Evans, who's sometimes on this podcast, he's got a kind of really appealing sort of radio voice, isn't it? It's sort of just, I don't know how what it is. It's a certain resonance as well as a really kind of clear sibilance at the same time. Sounds very relaxed. Is that what it is? is. Yeah, Yeah, soothing. He sounds like somebody who enjoys himself and he sounds just, you know, it's no big deal for him to talk about stuff that he does and sounds just kind of calm and relaxed. Dave Robinson, you do a lot of pro sound news, obviously, the pro sound stuff. Is there kind of much voiceover studio kind of crossover in what you'd... Oh, well, I occasionally get sent CDs and links to people who think they, we might be able to talk about them in the magazine. And then you... It's just him saying, you know, here it is, the 9 o'clock news. And just, just various, um, it's all very amusing. And you think, well, what do these people actually sound like when they're not doing it? You know, it's like a voiceover man on, uh, used to be on the Steve Wright show, isn't it? Well, Steve. You know, that, uh, that whole personality who, well, I'm just about to have my breakfast. Nick Bath is obviously the strongest link on this occasion, yeah. but will the panel be able to spot that? <laughs> I was very kind to you there. Yes, you were, weren't um, you? <laughs> what, what I thought was, did, you've highlighted a parody um, on el- elsewhere, but um, you, you must have seen the uh, the trailer for The Comedian. I've not, no, no, I haven't. The trailer is a is a voice, it might even be Donna Fontaine, going into a... Uh, a, a voice recording into a vocal booth, and uh, they turn him on. You see the you see the the figure meters, and they say, "Okay, starting your own time." And he goes, "In a world where laughter was king, and no time so in a time, no, in a world before time." And it just goes on <laughs> like this, and he gets out of control, and yeah, they eventually sack him. It's <laughs> it's one of the funniest virals that I've seen, frankly. And it was it was for the comedian, the movie, which was terrible. But the trailer was absolutely diamond. Ah, no, I haven't seen that. I must search it out. Uh, well, anyway, Don LaFontaine will be sorely missed, although I'm sure there are plenty of imitators who will uh, who have even deeper voices. Did, do you think he did the denim and the, all those kind of men's aftershave ads that were popular in the uh, late 70s and 80s? No, that was a guy. That was a guy called Bill somebody. Because uh, when I was at University of York, they, they got him to do URY, University Radio York. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you can you can track him down, um, Bill. Bill, somebody it was his name. I used to record um, CD ROMs for a company in Ringwood where I lived, and I used to go into the studio at a company. Uh, the company was called the M Corporation, and they had like a little voiceover studio. And I used to go and record all sorts of different voiceover people in there. It was quite good fun. I re- really enjoyed doing it actually. And then I used to take them all, uh, take the recordings home, and cut them all up and edit it all. Uh-huh. And the one thing I learned from them is that when you make a mistake, if you're doing, if you're talking about something and you make a mistake in, in the script, you literally go back a line and then you start again from that point and do maybe do two or three different versions of it and stuff. It's easy for the person editing it to find the piece that they need to replace where you went wrong. A bit like we do for this show. You know, this 50-minute show starts out as a four-hour voiceover-a-thon. Yeah. I have not spent much time recording voiceover artists, but I have, other than me, I have actually narrated a couple of short films 
for uh, that have been shown at Niles Foundation events. And I find myself enjoying that part of the work very much. Okay, well, so you record yourself and then just kind of get it right. Do you or you work? Do you work alone yeah. or with others? Well, usually Niles in the room coaching me as to how you know how the cadences he wants or how he wants it done. But uh, um, you know, I'll be the I'm the voice talent and the editor. Rich, I can imagine you narrating sort of um, films about about wildlife in in North America, you know, Canadian sort of bears and forests and that kind of stuff. I can I can hear your voice there. You do have a warm voice, Rich. You, I, I'd say of all of us um, here present today, I mean, if I hope nobody feels left out, but I think Rich has has, has that sort of. Um, there's definitely a, a voiceover quality to him. That's I'm not tingly. Maybe maybe standing up. Yeah, I watched the Russell Brand program the other night about him driving across America and driving across America to follow the story of uh, is, what's that book writer Jack von Jack uh, Kerouac. 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 Yes, exactly. But then he was doing these radio shows from America on BBC Radio Radio. And I noticed that when he was uh, presenting, he stands up to present his radio program, which is kind of bizarre, but maybe not if he was originally a stand-up. I think the Archers do that. Archers being a very long-running um, BBC4 uh, drama soap on the radio for anyone outside of the UK. Well, I think we should all stand up. Uh, yeah, I could do, but then I'd have to actually readjust absolutely everything. I'd have to get a, I'd have to get a pedestal for the laptop. I'd have to um, get an extension arm for my um, my my microphone. It'd be all sorts. It'd be a mess. I thought you said you'd have to adjust everything. I thought you were talking about your underpants. I wouldn't need to adjust those because ah. obviously I'm completely naked, as I've always said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have maintained so you said, that. You, you said we're doing number one hundred as a video, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> mm, maybe Thank I'll rethink that. Yeah, the audience has something to look forward to. Then, yeah. Well, I'm not promising anything yeah, exactly. at all. Say, Nick, can I just mention as an aside? Yep. Um, as a complete coincidence, uh, due to the death of Don LaFontaine, I put on my website as the first audio example in uh, my work samples is a production track that I had published in a library a while back, and I had titled "In a World." Wow! How was crazy coincidence? Yeah. Transient designers. I've got a couple of examples here I just like to play. I guess this is just like a, a drum machine going through a transient designer. There's sort of more attack, softer, this one's more sustained. Transient designers, SPL. They seem to make them. They do a two-channel one and a four-channel one. And it, I was just thinking about this the other day because I went over to – I did a tour of um, the Peter Gabriel writing room, a um, couple of pieces, and I noticed there was one in the rack there. Well, there were, in fact, two in the rack there with eight channels co constantly patched in, and they seem to be there all the time. And when I pointed the camera at it, Dickie said, oh, don't, don't go over there too much. So it's obviously a bit of a secret. Is it a dirty secret? Because it sounded like – you can sculpt the sound incredibly well with a transient design, is it? And I've been looking a little bit on the web, and there were, have been some really kind of interesting articles about what you can do with them. Is it something? I mean, Rich, you do a lot of recording. Is it something that is in your um, in your rack, or have you tried them? Do you, what do you think of them? Uh, it's not. I haven't, and I don't. No, uh, but but uh, a good friend of mine who I trust quite a bit, um, Tom Durack, who's a great engineer and did many of the records we did uh, with Nile in the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, recommends this thing very highly and uh, has been, I know, using it in his own work 
for a few years. Uh, I have not actually heard it. What I just did hear across, you know, the limitations of yeah, what sure. we're listening to right now uh, was not making me reach for my wallet. But uh, <laughs> it may have somewhat tempered my bah humbug attitude towards the thing on the whole. Anybody else? Mark Tinley. I don't even know what it is. What is it? Transient designer. It's can from, I get a software one? Right. Well, you can get software ones, but the only I, I I don't know how they've done it, but it seems like SPL have the have got the kind of patent or the license or whatever, and they make two hardware ones. They make a two-channel one and a four-channel one, and they also make uh, under license a plugin for UAD. Um, but that's it. There's no other ones. But I, I don't know if there are any other uh, ones coming out. I mean, I think people have tried to emulate it and maybe figured it out, and there will be more. But uh, up until now, SPL have pretty much had the de facto transient designer stuff. How much are these? Sony has one. Sony has one too. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, the, the, yes, there's a Sonox transient designer. Yeah. Is the transient to do with the attack and the decay? I'm guessing so. Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing so. It sort of changes the balance and, you know... I, Dave, you asked how much they were. Um, for a four-channel one, it's about 1400 bucks, so I guess about 700 quid. And for a two-channel one, it's 700 bucks, which is about 350 quid. I think the plug-in version is a couple of hundred bucks. No, say SPR are an interesting, interesting company because they... Uh, I think they're a German company, aren't they? And they, um, they, they don't seem to have a very large range of... Uh, products but uh, all of them are you find them in mastering houses all over the world and certainly at galaxy studios they had a specially designed mastering console for roland prent who a lot of you know one of the one of the leading um recording and mastering suites in the uh, in europe and uh, they've got this they've got this spl machine there which you know makes everything sound wonderful so they're an interesting interesting company but uh I don't think you're ever going to see, um, you know, a 50 quid guitar pedal with SPL on it. Let's put it that way. No, I guess not. I mean, they do. They used to do. I remember when I was doing dance stuff and remixes. The SPL there was an SPL. I think it was called a Vitalizer, and it had really good subharmonic subharmonic generators and 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 top end and stereo width enhancement. And it was very much the the well, lots of people use them because basically we were all mixing in crappy bedroom studios, and it made our mixes sounded a bit better. Dave Spears, I think you were about to come in there. I do use this in the UAD. Ah, okay. And it's very, very useful for things like, um, i tell you what I've used it for a couple of times, is um, to really accentuate the attack of a vocal perf- performance at, the say, the beginning of the first verse, where you really want it to have a little bit of bite and then die off. Some, you know, some singers come in with quite a lot of strength and then it just kind of tapers off. And sometimes I use it for that. But also, the, I think the main thing I've used it for is things like if a bass player is playing kind of too legato and it starts to clash with, a, say, a keyboard pad or something like that, then you can actually, with a sustain, you can knock the bass part back a little bit. So you get that kind of nice punchy attack, but then with the sustain, you just roll it off. It's a bit, it's a bit like a kind of ducking device. Yeah, and apparently if you link the channels, you can get them to kind of cross affect each other there was a, a this i was reading an article by a chap called michael michael cooper on e-musician and he's he can't you know he says the transient F- designer 4 which is the four channel version is one of the most exciting products i've had the pleasure to review over the past 15 years which i could say you know i'd say that's pretty um pretty good praise i don't know who michael cooper is or whether his what his pedigree is but nonetheless but he there was also um tips and tricks that i found where you'd sort of put um say the kick and the snare or you'd split the the kick drum signal put it into one and three and then you take a stereo keyboard 
um, and you put it into two and four, and they sort of the kick would would shape or affect the way that the keyboard punch. You know, it was like I guess it would be like a, a side chain kind of vibe, but it sounded very um, like you can do some pretty creative things with it. It's so simple. It's so simple. You know, three knobs, and uh, you can play around all day with it. Can you overdo it very easily, or is it just? Is it- yes, very easily. It's a bit like that. You remember, um, I guess the thing you were talking about earlier with Dave is um, I had BBE, was it? BBE Maximizer? Oh, yeah, the Vitalize yeah, and the Sonic Enhancers, all of those sort of things, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, you could really overdo that. But, I mean, sometimes this is great as an effect. I mean, on drums, you know, you can make stuff really snappy. I mean, it is, it, you know, it has got a kind of compression element to it. Um, but I just like the simplicity of it. Anybody else um, want to chip in on the transient designer? PJ, you haven't said a word yet. Uh, no, I don't use them. Um, I am aware of there are some, I, I believe Voxango has one as well. And uh, Sonics has a, a plug-in version that are supposedly similar to the SPL transient designer. I've, I've watched engineer friends of mine use them to bring out the attack on drums and uh, to bring out to lessen the attack on acoustic guitars and that type of thing, but I I don't have any practical experience with them in my own work. Mm, I wonder. They seem to be a kind of something. Once you try them, people seem to hang on to them and sort of swear by them. One thing that's uh, obviously not on the list that uh, came in as a late entry is um, the keyboard player from Pink Floyd died at the weekend. It's not some music that I know much about, but perhaps you could fill us in. Well, it's just I mean I'm not a huge fan myself. I, I, I Pink Floyd it was kind of passed me by until um, until sort of a moment you're not to read it in 1987. But um, it just uh, it seems that Dave Gilmore and you know Roger Waters always had and um, what's his name Mad Guy Sid Barrett always had the kind of the limelight and then. Um, that you kind of forget there was this guy playing keyboards um, with the band and, uh, you know, had a major contribution. And he, he wrote um, The Great Gig in the Sky, you know, one of the, one of the greatest moments on um, Dark Side of the Moon. I always felt that, you know, the guitar was always the focus of, uh, of Pink Floyd, but uh, there's some solid keyboard stuff in there, which is, uh, which is, it's always a way to the keyboard player, isn't it? He's always ignored. <laughs> So did um, Rich, uh, I mean, was he kind of particular, did, was, did he pioneer? I mean, I, I don't really know too much about it, but presumably he must have been, being in Pink Floyd, must have been sort of cutting edge, kind of at least getting hold of the latest things and kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit because they were a very experimental group. So he must have had some sort of synthesizer pedigree apart from just, you know, playing the keys. Well, yeah, he, and he was an organ player. I mean, originally Pink Floyd, I'm not that familiar with the Sid Barrett period, but I became aware of them almost immediately after when they became a quartet. Um, and uh, he, he was a groundbreaking band in some ways. So, of course, he had an influence on that, and he was very texturally important to the way they sounded. And then when they became huge with Dark Side of the Moon and the subsequent records, uh, his his contributions were massive. And uh, he was a very, I, I consider him to be a very significant keyboardist, if not perhaps technically as a player or even technologically from the standpoint of having pioneered or forwarded the use of a modular synthesizer or something, uh, just in terms of his textual contribution to the history of rock and roll and, uh, and the importance of uh, that band as one of those kinds of bands where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and quite honestly, in the beginning, they reminded me less of a progressive band than they did of the Grateful Dead. It was more of a sort of an English jam bandy kind of ethereal thing that I really found interesting in their early live shows. Uh, the album Amagama captures some of this. 
And so uh, that's my little tribute to Richard Wright. I think uh, may he rest in peace. He was very important, and I'm um, very sorry for you know, all the fans and for his family. I think that's that's very well said. That captures it. Captures it, Richard. It was part of the the texture of the whole. I mean, you can't think of any great sort of uh, soaring synth lines on any of their their tracks, particularly. But uh, you know, he was certainly there and contributed to to that sound. You were here. It was a really seminal synth album. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. By then, he was really into it. Sonic Talk, sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-Series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk. Let's lighten the mood a bit. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's go to the party. Let's get this party started. Hello and welcome to the International Dance Party introduction video. Behind me you can see the International Dance Party. Sure, it looks like a flight case now, but soon it will transform into a mobile disco. The International Dance Party uses radar technology to sense dance activity. When dance activity is sensed in front of the International Dance Party, it will open its front gate, revealing an LED sign and two booming speakers. The LED sign displays instructions in over 20 languages. What are the instructions? Simple. Dance to start the party. <laughs> Isn't that fun? This was part of a top 10 party gadgets over on Gizmodo. Which was, uh, you know, I think some of them are obviously fairly tongue-in-cheek, but that one was certainly took the biscuit. That was number one on the list, the International Dance Party. I could describe it. It just looks like a giant, it looks like a flight case for a big old-school mixing console. It's about that size, but it's sort of, the idea behind it is you walk into a room, it makes a bit of noise, you start to jiggle about it, it senses, then it turns some lights on and it gets the whole thing going. And if you really go, you get a flashing blue light on the top and some smoke. <laughs> but you, you go to the website and it does seem, when you're looking at it, you think, God, this is really kooky. I'm not sure it's real, but I think it's obviously sort of some sort of art project. And it's uh, it, as that, it works very well. But uh, And it also says you can hire it, which must be a, a hoot, I'd imagine. So, Dave Robinson, what did you think? Did this kind of move... Um, did, would you, will you be hiring it for your next disco? <laughs> it's very tempting. I'm going to, I'm going to a wedding uh, in about a week, and I, it's, uh, the, the theme is folk tales and, and uh, fairy stories. I think I'm going dressed as a woodcutter or possibly a tree from the Wizard of Oz. But, um, you know, I think this would be great to just have sit in the corner. Um, I, I, ended up getting, I mean, the closest I've got to having a mobile party is, uh, is buy some Christmas lights that you can, you can, there's a battery pack. You can buy them in, you know, most, most Christmassy stores. Battery pack, you wear it on your belt and you wear your, wear the, the lights around your person rather than putting on a tree. And, you know, you can, you can twinkle wherever you go. <laughs> that sounds like fun <laughs> the other thing that was really cool about it was uh, did anyone see the the party button as well did you see that one that was brilliant there's basically a big red button that sits in the middle of a table and you press it and it uses this um x10 which is kind of the home automation thing to turn the lights down set a couple of other things off get a strobe light going and and you know you you just whack you just hit it and then you press it again to stop the party that was really funny i enjoyed that immensely <laughs> <laughs> not quite the portable party outfit, but something that I think the person who's maybe a mobile, uh, uh, a home automation enthusiast should, should try. 
I'm, I'm just going to go and get PJ again because he dropped off because he's having trouble with the line. Hey, PJ, is that any better? I can't uh, hear a word Dave Robinson's saying. Probably for the best. He's just been <laughs> dissing you all show, PJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PJ if you're going to get your digs in, this is the time to do it. For sure. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, PJ, did you uh, have a chance to enjoy the um, inomitable delights of the top 10 party gadgets? I did. They were fantastic. I want the international dance party. It's Send it over tomorrow. It looks great. And it's already flight cased up. Yeah, and it's already flight cased up. And the more fog, the more party. The more it's, party, it's a that's dance right. loop. It's brilliant. Saying. And I, I was just saying before you um before we drop before you dropped out there, um the other thing that was really cool was the party button, which was with the X ten interface that uh, it, that links up to all your home automation stuff. Um I've got a list of what it does. It turns off the hallway light, closes the blinds, turns on the fog machine brackets takes a while to warm up turn off the kitchen light turn off the poker light turn off the living room lights start the mp3 in which case in that case it was hadaway what is love turn on the back (laughs) turn on the black lights hold on there's more turn on the laser when the main beat of the song starts and turn on the strobe light when the chorus comes in they say once the party has started at any time the party button may be pressed again this will turn off the red led play a simple tune to signify the party is stopping and will send out another signal once the computer detects a signal it will basically run the same script to turn the party off <laughs> but when the party is being stopped the music stops and the lights come on almost immediately i know a few bars that could do with this it's a great way to get rid of people from your house Maybe you could just take a few elements of it. You know, you could have like a party button, an anti-party button. When you're bits, you know, when you've got a few people around your place and you've got to work the next day and they just won't go, you press then stop the party button and it just sort of like puts the strip lights on, you know. <laughs> then they, then they got to make the party button green and yeah. the stop party button red. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is a cool, that's a cool idea. Dave, like did, the, I, the iPod porta potty. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, that too. That, that was kind of a strange one. It's just like, I guess it was a dance cubicle. Yeah. Not much of a party you could have in a cubicle that size with anyone other than some a very close, intimate friend, perhaps. That's the best of a party. That is a pretty good kind of party. And That's true. I like, I like where they say, make sure to have a mop handy. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> what an earth for? Condensation's terrible in that enclosed space. Dave, Dave Spears, any favourites? Loved. International Dance Party was brilliant, but... I was so convinced that this was a joke that I actually went and uh, checked out some of the techie spec, and it appears that it's probably not a joke, but on their website and the shop, they also sell a beginner kit, the Junior IDP, which is absolutely (laughs) superb, because it's a light bulb, a packet of Marlboro, and a ghetto blaster. (laughs) (laughs) 99 bucks. I, I definitely think it's an art project that they actually built with, in conjunction with Tess. With, um, I think the technology by, that definition, by that definition, every day is a party in my house. <laughs> I also like, I, I think we should put a word in for the DJ Mobile Car, which was by um, a chap called uh, Olaf Mooj, uh, which is apparently inspired by the Mobile and the song God is a DJ by Faithless. And it's basically, it's a small pickup truck kind of car type thing with a massive sculpted just array of speakers on the back which look really cool excellent did you see the uh, toilet tunes as well we like that one yes was that the one that when you um lift the lid and um, you get a little um a little tune yeah we were deciding what tunes we wanted to hear let me think <laughs> take well, me got... to the river oh very good ah yes that's a great we a, one we had a triple entendre here with squeezes half and half an hour up the junction <laughs> The mask unpleasant noises. <laughs> mm. 
I think this is descending rapidly into toilet humour. Into toilet humour. Oh, it's real humour. Yeah, it is. Should we bring it back online with um, a bit of Korg M3? Oh, sure. Why not? The Korg M3, okay, I mean, they're sort of, I guess it's the, well, it's still an expensive workstation, but they've just announced the Korg M3 Expanded, which, you know, okay, just another upgrade and whatever, but this is absolutely, it's got tons and tons of stuff in it. Let me just list to it. Basically, you get a new piano and classic keyboard samples, three new sample expansions of 120 megabytes each, brass, woodwind, and acoustic piano as wet additional, a piano roll event editing screen, uh, and various other items to the sort of user interface, a karma function, which generates unique interactive phrases, and it's expanded to version 2.2 with many new features, including a th- another 1,000 um, memory points. Uh, touch view graphic user face has been made even easier to use. Velocity meter function for real-time display of timber track activity. You know, lots, basically. And it's free. Did I say it was free? That just seems like an enormous amount of stuff to give away with an operating system upgrade. The M3, I think we did something with um, James Asher. He he showed us around his, and it was very impressive. And there seemed to be an awful lot of these kind of kind of high price because they're what over a couple of thousand bucks. So what a, a thousand a thousand plus pound UK pounds. They're not cheap, but there seem to be a kind of a lot of them. Has anyone tried the M3? I know, Dave, you're a bit of a keyboard whiz, aren't you, Dave Robinson? Have you had a chance to tickle oh, this haven't. one? I haven't. I've just been... Uh, I'm after my chaos later, frankly. But no, I've been... Uh, uh, the, the last keyboard I played was in a, was in a piano shop in Dubai. Uh, <laughs> and my glasses kept falling off my face because it was so hot. <laughs> you, I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering how this works. Do you, you think... Um, I wonder what a cool strategy is. Is it to to make sure that people don't lose interest in their keyboards by giving them lots of software and keeping it keeping it fresh? Well, it seems to be something they've been playing. You know, they, they introduced it with the Oasis, didn't they? Which was obviously a much higher ticket uh, item. But they've been really, you know, they've not. You know, as as can often happen with these things, they kind of get orphaned and left behind. But there was a massive um, OS upgrade for the Oasis as well, and you know, it seems the same thing for this. I mean, the M three is seems to be more. It, it's quite a synthesizer rather than a sound man. There's a lot of stuff that you can do with it, but I guess it's cheaper than releasing a brand new keyboard. I don't know. Mm. Anyone else had a chance with this, Rich Hilton? I heard it uh, demonstrated at last year's AES show and was very impressed with the sound of it. You know, you probably wouldn't have heard that over the MP3, but it's well worth going over to the Korg site, M, uh, um, Korg slash M3. Uh, I'm not just saying this because they advertise on the site. Obviously, um, that that could be seen as it, but it just seems like an enormous amount of stuff you're getting there, and some of the sounds in it are actually pretty hot. Dave Spears, can you afford it, and would you buy it if you could? I don't know. I played that Oasis thing in uh, one of the guitar centres, and... It just sort of didn't grab me, really. I don't know why. It sort of it was like a piece of living room furniture. This looks a little bit more sort of from serious synth like. So yeah. yeah, maybe I should check it out. Really, you can strap a radius um, to the side of it because it actually only it's like a it's got a rack mount system, and one half of the rack is the uh, the M3 bit, and then the other half is the 
um, you can stick a radius in it and kind of link them all together and have a kind of super duper thing. There's obviously a, a market for these kind of big workstation type keyboards. Um, I'm just wondering um, who who maybe it, that is. Mark Tinley, are you are you? Is that something that you'd be interested in? It's, well, I'm not really a player. I'm more of a programmer, so anything computer based is more interesting for me. So the fact that it's got keys is just really by the by. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a guitar that did that, I might be interested in it. You can so buy a, you can buy a module version. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, I can't. I'd, you know, I'm quite happy with Logic. What I want now is iLogic for my iPhone, so that I can work on the move and create things, and then dump them via Wi-Fi into the phone. Sure. Well, maybe so. Well, Rich, you're a player. I mean, does that kind of workstation ethic approach, you know, for a keyboard, kind of appeal to you? Does it make sense? Um, specific to the tasks I perform in Chic, no. But were I uh, more of a broadly based gigging musician, I think so, yes. And I think this would be a serious contender. And I think that the reason they're giving all this stuff away is because the, the field has been narrowed in this workstation world down to a few companies. And basically, I think their primary competition is Yamaha and Roland. Mm, sure. In that world, I mean, stop me if I'm if I'm well, missing somebody. The, yeah, of course. I mean, the Roland Phantom G and the and the Yamaha Motif XS are kind of occupy the same airspace. So they're trying to you know grab that market and leapfrog ahead, and so they've got this Karma technology that this guy Stephen K has developed, and there's a whole website I'm looking at now called KarmaLab.com that's got all kinds of uh, M3 videos about how it works and what it's supposed to do and all that. And um, they've incorporated what they consider to be their most advanced technology into an instrument that they think descends from their venerable M1, which was very successful, uh, for better or for worse. And sure. so now they're, they're trying to redefine the workstation thing and I think compete more more strongly with Yamaha and Roland. Um, Dave Robinson, I mean, you're a, you are you are a player. I mean, are you kind of workstation kind of guy or are you more of a USB keyboard and a laptop? That's, that tends to be the way. And certainly my experience with, uh, with workstations, they have all these features on them and you, you ultimately, you don't use the onboard sequencer and you, you don't use half the presets and you, you end up, uh, it's like an iPod, you end up having a playlist with your top 30 tracks on it and you want to listen to that obscure uh, nose freak music but you just come back to the Raging Pendulum track which uh, which you really like. You know, it's, um, that's, that's what happened to me while I, was, while I was away in Thailand anyway. I'm lying on a beach, I think I could listen to the Poison album, I could, but who wants to listen to that? when you've got pendulum <laughs> anyway maybe that's going off the point but the same with the, with the workstation you could try all these different things but you, you come back to maybe using a few things that you could probably just get from a synthesizer or from a, you know from a keyboard I was going to say I did see Rick Whiteman then at the end of last year and he was using an M3 and he was getting a lot of good sounds out of it and he was you know but he's a real player he's the player's player mm. and uh, yeah it was part of his control, sort of control system for his uh, for his little tour that he did I wonder if it's got something to do with the fact that you know there's, there's, there are sort of generally two strands there are people who really don't like messing with computers at all really and this is kind of and then there are people that do i mean this will obviously interact and interface with a computer but it can be more of a self-contained thing that's kind of got a bit more going for it and pj you i mean you are a player too i mean is the kind of workstation do it all thing something for you uh back in the day i was a devotee of the korg workstations i owned an m1 a t1 an o1w pro x uh, a triton a trinity i had all you know all of those word workstations 
but um, I moved everything inside the box. And I think like Rich, if I were um, gigging more widely and needed a broad palette of sounds, I probably would buy an, an M3 because I really love the Korg sounds and I, I like their interface. And I think they brought a lot of technology to bear in this synthesizer. I, I believe that there's some scaled down features from the Oasis and the M3 as well. And yeah, I mean, it looks like it's got a bit of um, a nod to that technology for sure. Yeah, and I really love the the sound of their physical modeling. I think it's I think it sounds really good. Um, you know, on on par with pretty much anything out there. It's it's pretty good. But um <clears throat> no, I I don't so much have a use for it in my day-to-day work anymore because there's just so much more power at a much lower price point by moving everything inside the box. Depends on your environment though, I think. It's perhaps fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of um, you know, if you if you read a lot of interviews with with some of the some of the players you know that have been around for a long time i think you're you're right in um assuming that there's a certain type of person that doesn't relate as well to a computer or wants to wade into the to the computer environment and and they're more comfortable with a workstation um scenario because that that's what they've gotten used to over the the past couple of decades sure sure yeah but even those the person who's going to make an outlay of a, of a large amount of money compared with the guy who wants to start with a small keyboard and a USB interface and a computer and some, some cheap shareware or something. I don't know how many people there are out there in the world these days other than the pros. I don't know, Mark, you were, you were just about to say something. I was going to say, even those people who are the workstation kind of guys, especially who, and in particular, I'm thinking of my brother, have kind of embraced the world of the computer and started to figure out plugins and soft synths and everything else. And he, and you know, he's still got a lot of keyboards and he wrote all of his tunes in Ensonics on Ensonic yeah. sequences. But he's a logic guy now. He's moved into that world. And I think, though, you know, with the world is running out of those people. Even the non-technical people, the computers become you know, the place to do it. Yeah, I think maybe in the studio. I mean, I think live, though, is where, where you, you know, because you just, you still, there really is, you know, I mean, there are options, but they're not legion, you know, not as, you haven't got as many kind of, kind of take it out on the road kind of options in the work, in the computer world as you have in the workstation world. So maybe that's the, you know, you could presumably transfer a lot of this stuff because they've got quite a lot of sample memory and all that sort of thing, most of these things. So you could presumably port a show across to it and have it run if you need right. to. Right, that would be my interest would be to see if I could take the work that I was doing in the box back home, transfer it out of the box into this thing to bring on the road without having to bring the box. Sure. There must be a load of people out there as well who just do not want to get involved in the whole computer, you know, constant upgrade, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is kind of one-stop solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, my nipper is just starting to learn piano. So what, I, what I'm after right, right now is a decent-weighted keyboard with great piano sounds, and then if she gets into synthesis and other stuff, then she can kind of go off on a tangent and explore other sounds within the box. Sure. And the computer solution is not for her, you know, because she mm. sees Dad's son yeah. all day and just kind of goes, oh, I don't want to go anywhere near it. Cassio mm. has some very nice products uh, with weighted keyboards that sound pretty darn good. Oh, okay. I think it's called the, it may be called the Previa series. I'm not sure, but a friend of mine, I saw a friend of mine playing one not too long ago. It sounded great and it wasn't terribly expensive. I mean, it's, it's, any weighted keyboard is going to be, you know, some amount of money, Mm. but. DM Audio um, Pro 88, I think, whatever it's called. That's pretty good. I want a keyboard with poly aftertouch. That's what I want. Ah. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you, you mean you want to borrow it? Nick, uh, I've got to go, mate. I've got to get downstairs. Okay, well, thank you very much, Dave Robinson, uh, ProSignNewsEurope.com. All right, see you next week. Yeah, I hope so. Cheers. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Cheers, I agree with Dave and and with yourself in guessing that there's a, there's probably a large class of players out there that are also writers and maybe arrangers that that uh, have traditionally kind of shied away from the deeper aspects of, of the technical side of things and would be very much drawn to a solution like this because it's really not, um, you know, they don't have to to reinvent their internal paradigm in order to to get involved in in working with a with an onboard sequencer or onboard effects processors or anything like that and and uh, may not be at all interested in maintaining a computer system having to upgrade software upgrade os's that type of thing sure and of course people who just love the sound of cork stuff okay um shall we call it a day um i think we're probably there we got a couple of things left over but maybe we can fit them in next week um thank you very much for everybody for joining us and don't forget um next week we're going to be streaming this live sonicstate.com forward slash live i hope that the technology is up to it i've had a couple of people monitoring what we've been doing today and it's been seems to have been holding up so hopefully um there'll be a chat room there that people can kind of get involved in so please come and join us next week uh, that's the 24th of september at 4 p.m in the meantime i'd like to thank my guests uh, mr pj tracy from minneapolis thank you so much nick thank you for joining us and persevering with the bad line i hope it worked out right well in the end it was fantastic. Good. Uh, that's pjtracymusic.com. Uh, Mr. Rich Hilton uh, from Connecticut, who's, uh, I imagine, off to work in the chic studio complex at any second now. Uh, first of all, a pleasure, as always. I love doing these. And uh, no, actually, um, I'm uh, off today and I'm flying to Europe tomorrow. Ah, are you going to be around for next week's um, big 100th? Ah, well, glad to I, have a Have a great gig. And thank you. Thank you for joining us at myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Mark Tinley is next up, and thank you for joining us as well. That's uh, myspace.com forward slash Mark Tinley. Hope you enjoy your iPhone. I am enjoying it. And, of course, last but not least, Mr. Dave Spears, my sp- uh, who's not on MySpace. Well, he is, but it's more, more about g4software.com, I think. And I believe you're coming down next week to be here in person and perhaps share a cup of tea. Yes, more than that. I'm going to be a hideously bad influence on you throughout the entire show. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, more champagne. <laughs> I can't wait so. either. Yeah, I think, I think I'm looking forward to that. So anyway, well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. That was Sonic Talk number 99. Sonic. State. Sonic.